0: to the Alchemical Tech Revolution, and I am your host, Wayne McCroy. Good evening, everyone. Tonight, we're going to discuss the historic congressional hearing that took place yesterday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in Washington, D.C. about this phenomenon that they call the UAP and or the UFO phenomenon. That's right, for the first time in decades, Congress had official hearings about this with whistleblower testimony talking about such things. And so many startling revelations came out within this hearing. And of course, the mainstream press has been absolutely silent about this except for a couple of news stories that pretty much painted it with a political type of a theatrical paintbrush creating more infighting once again between Republicans and Democrats and this kind of thing and trying to make it look as if the Republicans are blaming the Biden administration for dropping the ball on studying this subject and all of this nonsense that goes along with these things and that's the only coverage that it got in the mainstream press but... There were some startling claims made within this hearing and this is all on the official congressional record now and this is a hugely momentous thing. If you have followed history at all, you understand that something taking on a congressional record in this way can be a momentous occasion, can be a historical event. And that's what took place, and of course it's been largely downplayed. And regardless of what your stance is on the subject at hand, the simple fact that a legitimately accepted whistleblower whose creditation has been validated through numerous sources and who is said by all to be an outstanding individual with extreme credibility... And having the clearance and the knowledge to have been involved in the things he claims to have been involved with, you would think this would get more attention. And, like I said, regardless of what your stance is on the issue here, the whole point is it's now in the congressional record that segments of the United States government and government subcontractors have retrieved non-human technologies and or biologics, as they say, in this press briefing. And I'm going to play a clip from this press briefing. It wasn't a press briefing, excuse me, it's the Congressional hearing. This came out as official under oath testimony. In the Congressional record, recorded for posterity historically for all time now, This David Grush fellow, who has been validated by many numerous sources as being, well, pretty much legit in what he claims. He worked for the NRO. He worked in the intelligence community. He had the clearances that he claimed he had, and he was asked to work on this task force for the Aero program, as he claimed. And he looked into various programs associated with UFO crash retrievals. And he found some things that came out in his testimony. And he's done interviews on News Nation and he's done kind of the press tour here with this starting back in, I believe it was May, late May, early June. When all of this really came to the forefront, although his testimony allegedly came out two years ago at first, but uh, what we have now is we have it on the congressional record. And like I said, this is a hugely important factor of things. So what are the claims that he made here? What are the claims that he made? Well, we'll get right into that. And then the other question we have to ask is, can it be true Let's go ahead, and I'm going to play a short little four-minute clip here from this actual legitimate congressional hearing that took place yesterday. This is recorded in officialdom now, folks. This is all recorded in officialdom. I will, of course, allow you to make your own conclusions about this. I have my stance on the whole UFO phenomenon. I do acknowledge it's a real phenomenon. I do not know the answer as to what all of the aspects of it can be. I do know that it seems to me that a large portion of it is man-made tech. And I do know they've been pushing the alien card as of late very heavily. And they have talked about and disseminated throughout various channels through the years, this whole notion of an alien invasion or a false alien invasion. And everything is lining up in the ways that it needs to for such an event to potentially take place. So what do we make of that? What do we make of all of this? And here, I'm going to go ahead and play this four-minute clip from the actual congressional hearing, and this is testimony given in Congress under oath, under penalty of law on perjury and things like that. This guy gave his testimony here. And some of what the claims are, we'll go through here tonight during the program here. We'll go through some of the things that came out in the congressional session but first, this short clip, which pretty much gives what I think is one of the most important pieces of this that should be covered in the news media, but of course it is not being covered for some reason or another, and we're going to ask the questions why. But first, go ahead, let's listen to this clip. I'll play it right now for you.
1: And When you reported your experiences with the UAP, did you face any repercussions with your superiors, yes or no?
2: No. No. I've actually never seen anything personally, believe it or not.
1: So. All right. Um, and then do, do you believe there's an active disinformation campaign within our government to deny existence of UAPs? Yes or no? I don't have an answer to that.
2: As previ- previously stated publicly, yes. I think previously with like Project Blue Book, yes, but currently I don't speak for the United States government.
1: Okay, thank you. Um, I have a few questions for Mr. Graves. Um, what percentage of UAP UAP sightings, in your belief, go unreported by our pilots?
0: This is an approximation based off of my personal experience speaking with a number of pilots, but I would estimate we're somewhere near 5%
1: reporting, perhaps. So like 95% basically don't report seeing UAPs? That's just my personal estimate. Um, In the incident off Virginia Beach, do you believe the Navy took the danger to your aircraft seriously after it was reported? Absolutely. A few questions for Mr. Favor. As an expert naval aviator, have you ever seen an object that looked and moved like the Tic Tac UAP? No. Did the Tic Tac UAP move in such a way that defied the laws of physics?
2: The way we understand them, yes.
1: Many dismiss UAP reports as classified weapons testing by our own government, but in your experience as a pilot, does our government typically test advanced weapon systems right next to multi-million dollar jets without informing our pilots?
2: No, we have test ranges for that.
1: It took over 15 years for your encounter with the Tic Tac to be declassified. Do you feel there was a good reason to prevent lawmakers from having access to this footage?
2: No, I just think it was ignored when it happened, and it just sat somewhere in a file. Never got reported.
1: In a drawer. It happens a lot up here. <laughs> Shocker. Um, Mr. Gresh, a uh, couple of questions for you, too, sir, this morning. Um, what percentage of UAPs do you feel are adequately investigated by the U.S. government, of the 5% that are reported?
2: <laughs> um, I can only speak for uh, my personal leadership over at NGA. I tried to look at every report that came through that I mm-hmm. could triage, so
1: do you believe that officials at the highest levels of our national security apparatus have unlawfully withheld information from congress and subverted uh, our oversight authority
2: there are certain elected leaders that had more information that i'm not sure what they've shared with certain gang of eight members or et cetera, but uh certainly uh, i would not be surprised
1: okay you say that the government is in possession of potentially non-human spacecraft Based on your experience and extensive conversations with experts, do you believe our government has made contact with intelligent extraterrestrials?
2: Something I can't discuss in public setting.
1: Um, okay, I can't ask when you think this occurred. <laughs> um, if you believe we have crashed craft, uh, stated earlier, do we have the bodies of the pilots who piloted this craft? Um okay. So and, and you may or may not be able to answer my last question and maybe we get into a skiff at the next hearing that we have, but who in the government either what agency, sub agency, what contractors Who should be called into the next hearing about UAPs, either in a public setting or even in a private setting? And you probably can't name names, but what agencies, or organizations, contractors, et cetera, do we need to call in to get these questions answered, whether it's about funding, what programs are happening, and what's out there?
2: I can give you a specific cooperative and hostile witness list of specific individuals uh, that were in those. And, And how soon can we get that list? I'm happy to provide that to you after the hearing.
0: Okay, so that was part of the congressional testimony given yesterday morning on the subject of UAPs, UFOs. And as you heard, Mr. Grush disclosed that non-human biologics were retrieved with some of these craft. Very vague terminology being used. And of course, they were discussing that he can't disclose certain things on the public record, but in a skiff. What is a skiff? you ask? A skiff stands for Sensitive Compartmented Information Facility. So what this is, is this is a security apparatus procedure, wherein he will give testimony to, in a closed hearing, two members of Congress who are deemed appropriate to do so through the proper channels, who have proper classification status, have pr- proper... Probably top secret status, with their intelligence clearances, their security clearances. So he will disclose this information to them and provide them with lists of individuals involved with these programs currently who can give more testimony as to having direct contact with these alleged crashed craft and/or non-human biologics. You'll notice the terminology used. They kept it purposely vague. So there's a few key points that really need to be touched upon with this testimony. My first problem going on with a lot of this is simply this. Why is the press not covering this? Plain and simple. If, this, if these allegations this guy is making are true, and it's now in the congressional record, and he claims to have the evidence the documentation to back it up. He has the contact list of the people who have the direct access to the technology and or non-human biologics and is supposedly giving that over to Congress in the proper way through the security channels. This should be front page news around the world. This is essentially an admission by government that we are not alone in the universe. That is, that is, if you believe the inference being given here. Now, they always use very sketchy terminology with things. And, of course, he's talking non-human biologics have been recovered with some of these crash retrievals. Well, in my estimation, that could be maybe the Soviets put a dog on a space capsule and sent it around and they retrieved the wreckage and found the body of the dog in there. That would be non-human biologics, if you want to get down to brass tacks of a definition. So is it more obfuscation, or is this guy legit? Now, his his credentials are unquestioned, essentially. There's many people that have come out and said, yes, we know who this guy is. Yes, here's everything showing, everything he's telling you is is true and accurate about who he is and what kind of security clearances he has, what programs he's been involved with, and this is a guy who was involved with the NRO. And if there is a secret space program out there, folks, it runs through the auspices of the NRO. This we've been assured by other whistleblowers in the past. But all of this leaves us with more questions than answers. And the main thing that I think is concerning is why is the press not covering this? This is potentially the biggest story of the century. Biggest story of the century. And they're not saying two words about it. What do they know that we don't? Is there some kind of social engineering agenda that will be attached to this shortly? Or is this just more obfuscation and more kicking the ball down the road? More of the same? Something to keep all the UFO researchers and stuff on the edge of their seats and tracing down a false trail to try to get to the bottom of this? Or is there truth behind it? Now, if you've been looking at the UFO phenomenon, for any length of time, let's be intellectually honest about it. I try my best to be intellectually honest about it. There's a vast amount of evidence to show that there have been, for a long time, things seen in the skies that we cannot explain, things sometimes seen on the ground we cannot explain, things that... Go beyond our human reasoning. What are they? Now, I still maintain, until I'm, proved, I'm shown otherwise, and it's proven to me otherwise, that I don't think that anything that we would call, quote-unquote, an alien comes from some other planet out there. In the galaxy or the solar system or any such thing that they describe to us. I personally have not seen the evidence that we can get anywhere beyond low Earth orbit. I don't think, in my estimation, from the information I've been able to look at through the years and study through the years, I don't think we can physically leave this place bodily. Now, are there technologies that may make that possible? Maybe. I don't have the answer to that. But I do know we've seen a lot of unexplained things. And we still to this day see a lot of unexplained things. And there are many nuts and bolts craft that have been reported. And like I said, and I've touched upon this in the past, I've traced it back, and there is a clear lineage that you can trace of human development of these types of craft and it has been said in the past by some people who claim to be insiders and know a little something about it, that even if we have these craft that they claim to have here, that they may be non-human technology of some sort. That's been admitted. That was established in the congressional hearing here as well. non-human craft, non-human technologies, If they have them, they have not left planet with them, was the claim of some of the insiders within a little intelligence organization group called the Aviary. I heard this many years ago disclosed on some radio program out there. I don't remember which one, and I could never find it again. But I believe it was Mr. John Lear speaking about this, if my memory serves me correctly talking candidly about how the people who were involved with the official intelligence agency program in the UFO community knew who was one of their own or not. They knew because, well, they had different code names for each other in this little group that was known as the Aviary. Hal off, I think, was Owl, was called Owl in this group, if memory serves me correctly. It's been a long time since I've looked at this, but Richard Doty was in on this, John Lear. A bunch of others were in on this. They would make the rounds at the UFO conventions and stuff like that. They were known CIA assets by some people who were following these things. And it came out later, yeah, we were kind of working the room with all of this. And it was admitted on a program somewhere, I don't remember where it was i found this on youtube years and years ago and i can't find it anymore john lear talking about this i believe it was john lear if memory serves me correct me correctly but it's been many years since i've been able to find this video now but he spoke candidly about how those people who were working for the intelligence agencies, knew if somebody in the UFO community or at the UFO conventions was one of their operatives or not, simply by knowing one thing about these alleged craft that were tested at the Nevada test range at Area 51 and Area S4 In those areas. And he said that what they knew, that the others... The other UFO researchers didn't know is that these craft have never been flown off planet or out of the Earth's atmosphere. That human beings have never taken these out of Earth's atmosphere. Now that raised a whole quandary of questions for me when I had heard that. What are the reasons why? And of course we have the statements of Ben Rich of Lockheed fame, Lockheed Skunk Works fame where he said we already have the ability to take E.T. home. He made a lot of claims about the technologies that were being developed within these special access programs and that we had these technologies to go to the stars already. And this was, I think, in the early 1990s when he said this. This is all on record. You could look this all up. You could find this stuff. The only thing is you won't find that video where a member of the aviary, and I believe it was John Lear, don't quote me on that, I, my memory's a little little bit frazzled on that regard as to who said it, which specific member of the aviary said this and admitted this in an interview. But that's what was said, that was how they knew one of their operatives from somebody who was just one of the regular civilian researchers. They knew these had never been flown off world. And you have to ask, well, why is that? And then there's a whole list of questions that comes about relating to this whole topic. So now the claim is made here, officially on the congressional record by this David Grush fellow who's come out now claiming that there are clandestine operations going on, there's clandestine programs that fall without, fall outside of the reach of government officialdom that are reverse-engineering these type of craft, studying this stuff and potentially may have communication with some other civilization. That's the inference being made. He doesn't come straight out and say that. But he does say, pretty much, not just this Grush fellow, but Congress came to the conclusion that based upon the evidence as presented, that there is some outside clandestine group that is operating outside of the control and reach of the U.S. government based upon various Congress people's inability to access certain programs, not having the need to know to access them, even though... They have the appropriate security clearances to potentially see them. They've been locked out. So they acknowledge there's a clandestine operation going on outside of the control of the U.S. government. So this constitutes in and of itself the notion of a breakaway civilization which has been touched upon by many researchers in the past, most notably one Mr. Richard Dolan, who wrote UFOs in the National Security State and many other books about this. A very level-headed researcher into the topic and one of the few UFO guys that I, I actually trust in this regard because he does have a level head in presenting these things and looking at the evidence. And like I said... I'm just laying it on the table here. Let's be intellectually honest about it. There's a ton of evidence that perhaps we have been visited by some other intelligence. Now, the nature of this intelligence is open for debate. We don't know, nor can we know. But the claim here is made that some portion of this apparently is a biological type of an entity. Biological in nature that's the claim made here we have reports all through the millennia for as far back as mankind can look of visitors from outside worlds or realms here we have stories of fairies we have stories of the fey folk we have stories of perhaps elemental spirits supernatural types beings the legends are endless through every time and culture All across the world, we have all of these different notions of things. And researchers into the UFO phenomenon, like Jacques Vallée, and also some of the other ones like John Keel, they've come to some of these same conclusions here as well. That there's a component to this that may tie back to those types of supernatural manifestations. Those types of things. Whether you want to call it demonic manifestation or some type of a natural spirit or spirit manifestation, fairy stories, these kind of things, elementals. We have all these things recorded through the record and through the occult fraternities a lot of times too. And they they put a lot of notion behind some of this. They, they give a lot of context to some of this. This phenomenon's gone on long before the modern era. And in the modern era, we have science fiction to mold our views. And this is indeed about changing the image of man, of himself and his place in this universe. So there are definite social engineering agendas tied to this very phenomenon itself. But the phenomenon itself exists outside of those agendas. And this is where it gets a little convoluted because you have to understand that there's a real phenomenon at play. We don't necessarily understand the nature of that phenomenon. And we have these people now coming forward and claiming to have some greater knowledge of this than we do. And do you believe them? Do you believe the evidences... And here's the problem. This evidence has not been presented yet. There is no evidence. This is all second-hand testimony. That's all we've ever gotten is second-hand testimony with no proof to back it up. There's been many claims made through the years stating these things, and many of the UFO researchers walk away from this whole congressional hearing now, balking at it, saying, well, nothing new came out. We knew all this stuff. And that's the thing. Many UFO researchers have known some of these claims for many, many years and have looked at the evidence and seen some of the evidence and have weighed in their opinions on it. And they say, well, he didn't reveal anything new. The thing is, though, this is still a historical event, because this is the first time that someone has sat down in the official official capacity before Congress testifying under oath under the possible penalty of perjury or some such thing that these things are true and that they have evidence and can provide documentation for this and provide firsthand witnesses to this that can provide the proof that is needed. So this is what the claim is. So still right now, the problem remains, right now it's still second-hand testimony. Now some of the reporting was from first-hand witnesses of this Tic Tac UFO event. Which, that's one thing, to have a sighting of a craft that you can't explain or a phenomenon that you can't explain, that performed in ways that are beyond what is our recognized modern technology here by trained military observers, that's one thing. But the claims of crash retrievals and reverse engineering, all we have right now for that is second-hand sources. And that's where it becomes problematic, because how do you get to this firsthand testimony? We, as the public, will likely not see it, if it truly even is a thing. And that's where it becomes problematic for us. So, do we? How much do we trust our Congress people? <laughs> Let's be blunt about it. So, if we have Congress people who are telling us that. aliens are real and that there are these UFO reverse engineering programs that they found out and now they're getting to the bottom of it and they're going to get this stuff disclosed to the public. Do you believe your Congress people? <laughs> Let's be honest about it. How much do you trust your government? Don't get me wrong. This is a huge historical event. Any way around it. Any way you look at it. Still a huge historical event but like I said this is where it becomes problematic is because it's still only secondhand testimony but now it's officially in the congressional record and that is a big deal because this guy stuck his neck out to make these claims and he really truly believes he can validate his claims and prove what he's talking about. And he does, he has mentioned that he does fear reprisal from various people within this ostensible group that operates clandestinely outside of the oversight of official government operation. And that was disclosed in the testimony as well. And this is also hugely problematic because it does point to this notion of a breakaway civilization or some group out there that's running things. And we have significant evidence of this in the historical past to look at. Eisenhower warned us about the military-industrial complex, and that goes hand-in-hand with this very thing. In the early days of UFO research in the 1950s, Donald Kehoe, when he was looking at the UFO phenomenon... He encountered what he called the secrecy group the secrecy group there was this clandestine group that operated within and around government circles and through contractors and various things that would always stonewall everything to do with the UFO phenomenon they sought to cover all of the aspects of it into the classification of national security and keep it away from public oversight in that way. So there's always within this field of study been what you would call this breakaway group that operated clandestinely with this stuff. They devised classification systems for things. They they devised ways to work around official systems as well. And of course there's been a lot of nonsense through the years talking about this stuff like These people that talk about having above-top-secret clearance, all these different designations of above-top-secret clearance, well, that's nonsense. And this even came out in this congressional hearing on the record as well, where David Grush says there's been a lot of misinterpretations and misunderstandings of the security classifications, and there's nothing above top-secret. Top-secret is the highest compartmentalization classification you can get, for security now there are sub compartmentalizations that may attach to certain programs that you might have need to know to be able to access but top secret is the highest designation that there is within the officialdom of government so all these other people who were out there talking for years about having this top secret uh, above top secret q clearance or some such thing and of course they use q clearance <laughs> to say that um and pretty much what's coming out of their mouth is either mostly nonsense or just enough nonsense to discredit anything else they're saying. And that's the nature of how many of these programs have run. There's so much misinformation and disinformation attached to this whole field of study that has become so convoluted and so chock-full of modern mythology that it's hard to get to the bottom of what's truly going on. But this guy and several other whistleblowers are said to be, have be coming forward now, sharing some of their testimony, are claiming that they have had contact with people that are working firsthand within these programs today, who have the know how, how to reverse engineer some of these things, have worked on some of them, have been around them, have recovered non-human craft, non-human technologies. And non-human biologics, that's his claim. Now, he's a second-hand source, but he claims to have contact with these first-hand sources, who may or may not truly be first-hand sources. Is he being fed a bill of goods? This has always been one of the questions I have. The nature of this. What's the true nature of it? Are these things they're telling him really true? Are they really doing this? Or is it a story made up to deceive people purposely and make it look official? You have to wonder. There's so many angles to look at this stuff from. So many nuanced, complicated angles to go with the whole thing. Now, if you do have this outside clandestine group that's operating using secret technologies which it seems there's a preponderance of evidence to suggest that that's the case, that there is some sort of a breakaway civilization or some such thing operating outside and around and through official governments and corporation working towards their own unique goals and interests That would seem to be the case, but what's the nature of these technologies that they have? Were they human-developed technologies that they've taken advantage of and kept hidden away from other people for purposes of control for power? Are they truly reverse-engineered technologies from some other non-human source? It's hard to really get to the bottom of what's going on here because... Let's face it, if you look at this logically, first things first, like I said, how much do you trust your Congress people? That's the first question. Do you trust them to do the right thing? Do you think they're intelligent enough and sophisticated enough to be able to get to the bottom of the truth of this? Do you think that the bureaucracy is capable capable of bringing something like this to their attention. If you know anything about government, you know it's loaded down with bureaucracy. This bureaucracy is quite a problem. It creates all this red tape and all this rigmarole that's unnecessary that often makes things unwieldy, let's put it that way, investigations into things become unwieldy. The Pentagon, year after year after year after year, seems to be losing billions and billions of dollars all the time with no investigation or oversight, no consequence. And there's people in Congress that know this, and what what are they going to do about it? No investigations underway, and investigations hit dead ends and it gets caught up in all the unnecessary paperwork and gets backlogged and then eventually it gets forgotten about tucked away in a file cabinet somewhere which was also evidenced in that sound clip that audio clip that we just played happens all the time in congress something gets stuck in a file and forgotten about so do you really think they're going to get to the bottom of this or will this be another thing that winds up in the file cabinet never to be looked at again so that's the first problem with that. How much do you trust your Congress people to do the right thing? Second problem with it is the intelligence community are known and proven liars over and over again, even to their own personnel through the years. So, is it feasible? that they can lead around one of their golden boys like David Grush by the nose and make him believe in these programs, even if these programs do not really exist, if they exist only on paper? you think that's possible? I certainly think so. One Mr. Milton William Cooper seems to believe so. He was used in this way. He had the highest level security clearance you can have and he worked for the intelligence briefing team for Admiral Bernard Cleary, the absolute commander of the entire Pacific Fleet in the Navy. And he had many of these types of documents across his desk which he later discovered that he thought to be false after investigating thoroughly as best he could. Now, at first, when he first came across these, he thought they were true and thought this was one of the most important things to disclose to the public. But then he later found out that he was used and manipulated by the intelligence personnel and was likely purposely fed this information in an operation that's called a honeypot in the intelligence community, where they leak out information to somebody having an inkling that they may go out and tell about what they know, and that way they can find a mole within the agency or find their information leak within the agency. So he thinks this may have been done to him, or that's what he thought. That's what he had claimed later in his life after he discovered all the occult aspects and tie-ins to this. So is it possible that the same thing could be going on with David Grush, and he's not aware of that? I think that's feasible. That's another angle of this whole investigation we could look at in that way. But let's go ahead, and I'm going to list off a couple of points that this hearing established as fact in the congressional record. And like I said, some of these things have yet to be proven out. Some of these claims have yet to be proven out in an official capacity in a first-hand way. But there's some kind of a weight behind congressional testimony that goes on the official congressional record in this way. So there's some type of an establishment of this thing as being either factual or somewhat factual, or at least the witness believes it to be factual. And that's the important notion here. So this guy testified under oath, and Congress came to certain conclusions in the hearing. And here's the important details thereof, the important things that came out of this. So the first fact established in this hearing is that, first of all, the U.S. government and or military and various corporate subcontractors and some outside clandestine group potentially as well, are in possession of non-human spacecraft or technologies and have reverse engineering programs thereof. It was also laid out that special access programs studying this phenomenon have retrieved non-human biologics from crashed vehicles. And like I said, the vague term that they used seems to infer that these biologics are alien in origin. But of course, this could be a misnomer because of the use of the vague language. You could interpret that any way you want. Non-human biologics, well, what would would that be? Well, it could just be some kid's science experiment where they were growing mold in a jar or something. If you want to be technical about it, right? So this is what was retrieved was also established that there are crash retrieval and or reverse engineering programs that are outside of the reach of congressional and military oversight. This is what's problematic. This is what's highly problematic. If these things are going on with no oversight, no accountability, no one to answer to about them, does that not give the people running these programs a type of power? especially if you're talking about these types of technologies that could be world-changing. And I've done shows here in the past talking about some of these technologies. Some of the things that have been developed by human beings that have been hidden away. And it seems likely it's more of the same. But of course they have to throw the alien into the mix as well, don't they? They've been pushing this notion very heavily for a long, long time. And we have a picture in our mind's eye of what these aliens look like now because of how they've been presented through science fiction and through other various forms. And it's strange how they look very much very much like a drawing made by one Mr. Aleister Crowley when he channeled the Book of the Law back in the early 1900s. And this is the picture that we, we see. looks very similar to what we see as the modern concept of the alien gray that's been so popularized in science fiction. Amazing how all these things tie together, but of course the important points here, let's get back to them the fourth thing that was really truly revealed here in this congressional hearing that's important is that the UFO phenomenon has been an ongoing problem for many many years because of the lack of official channels for reporting it and that only about according to this guy's estimates only about 5% of these sightings ever even get reported because there's Really no incentive for the people to report them. In fact, many times they get ostracized and or punished for reporting them, so they're going to keep their mouths shut because they've learned it doesn't pay to talk about it. What else has been established here? Well, Congress itself has established that based upon the testimony given by the witnesses here, that the UFO, or UAP phenomenon, as they like to call it now, presents a substantial national security risk to the United States of America. So this in and of itself is a hugely important aspect of this, because this puts the onus of concern now squarely on the shoulders of Congress to pursue the matter further and do something about it. And are they going to uphold their oath they took to do this? How much do you trust your congress people? That's the question that comes back down to again. Do you think they're intelligent enough to be intelligent enough to be up for the task? Do you think they're competent enough to be up for the task? Competence is the key issue here in my view. Look at the state of our nation right now. Look at the leadership we have. Would you use the word competent to describe it? So now we're looking at what are the results of this going to be. What the results should be and what they will be are two different things. Now, by rights here, Congress now has a mandate to pursue this further because this is a threat to national security, as they had established here. But will they actually follow through? That's the big question. And how far will they get before they hit that great wall of secrecy again? And there's another problem that arises from that, because if this clandestine group that is, in fact, allegedly reverse-engineering these UFO crashes and stuff like that, if this group even exists at all, that wall of secrecy is indeed there. Now, the other conundrum with that is if this group is just a fictionalized group, disseminated through the intelligence community to hide things they may or may not be doing or to steer social agendas in some way and if this group does not exist and you hit this dead end how do you convey that information to the public? oh yeah, we were we, we came to the knowledge that there's this clandestine group operating outside of the oversight of government and when we tried to pursue them we could not find them anywhere they don't exist so if the government tells you that this organization doesn't exist do you believe them that's the other problem that's the other problem do you believe your government the known and proven liars that are government the known and proven liars that are the intelligence agencies the intelligence community How much do you trust them? Do you believe what they're telling you? And I I keep saying they're known and proven liars because they are over and over and over again known and proven liars. So why do you think they're being straight with you this time? That's the other big question that arises from all of this. Is this all political theater? Very well could be. Is there some kind of a PSYOP attached to this? Well, I think they've been gearing up for it for a long time. It's been out there for a while now. The alien invasion or the mock alien invasion. You see, once again, it's a Hegelian dialectic of sorts. Especially now since they're trying to drop the whole notion of aliens in our lap. So now this creates two camps. When they go through with this, and we are presented the alien invasion, is it a real alien invasion, or is it a fake alien invasion? What camp do you fall in? Which side of the spectrum do you fall on? Classic Hegelian control tool. Is there a real alien invasion or a fake alien invasion? That's going to be the question. And why is that? Because if you control both sides of the argument, you could steer your agenda any way you want. So if they have those people out there who are expecting a fake alien invasion and are screaming from the rooftops, it's fake, it's fake, and they present the world with a facsimile of what can be construed as a real alien invasion, and they show you it on television and tell you, you know, stay hide in your home while the spaceships pass overhead and stuff like that, Will you do it? Well, look at the evidence of the past three years. Do people believe the invisible threat is real? Oh, yes, they do. And are there those who are out there yelling it's fake, it's fake? Oh, yes, there are. When the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle. But the problem is, it's been weaponized in a Hegelian fashion, to control the argument and steer the agenda, steer the results. That's what was done with the whole COVID notion. You're either of the opinion that COVID is real, and that it's likely a bioengineered thing from some research lab somewhere, and it's a bioweapon, or you're of the mindset that it's a total hoax and you're not allowed to have an opinion somewhere in the middle. You're categorized into one camp or the other. Same thing. Now it'll be the same thing with this alleged alien invasion bit. You're not allowed to have an opinion outside of that. Aliens are either real or they're fake. There's nowhere in between. There's no maybe, maybe aliens are real but I don't think they're really invading us. That that's not going to be part of the argument. This is how they use social engineering tropes on people. So this, in my estimation, is what's being leveraged here because they always have to give context and background and legitimacy to things. So regardless of whether there's a real aspect to it or not is irrelevant, the whole point is this has massive social engineering Aspects attached to it and it will be used for this in the very near future we will see it I'm sure in one way shape or form or another like everything else I do of course reserve the right to be totally wrong about all of it but through years of study and analysis of these things and these people how they operate and do things I really think they're going to go for it With the whole alien narrative. And that's only based upon the things I've seen in the past three years. Because up until the point that this whole COVID thing came out of the woodwork back in late 2019 and in early 2020. I thought it was just another run-of-the-mill scare tactic. Like some of the ones we'd seen in the past. The avian flu blah, 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 all of this stuff to try to convince people to be afraid of becoming ill or some such thing and running out and getting vaccinations and supporting the medical cartel and I didn't think anything much was going to come of it I was wrong I publicly came out and admitted that I was wrong about it they really, truly went for it they did and they pushed it hardcore, and we'd never seen anything like it in our lifetimes. Never. And now, having seen that and many of their successes that they had with that whole program, and to make no doubt about it, it was a program, part of their activation of a long-standing passive eugenics program, now made active, they went for it. And I saw one, one statistic claiming that 69% of the entire, entire population of the world got at least one of these vaccines for this COVID scare. That's a massive number. So with that kind of a success, why wouldn't they go for broke and pull out the alien card? Keep people divided. But even with 69% of the population having had at least one vaccine, that still is not that parietal split number that they need, that 80-20 split. So even though they were massively successful with that, there's still a lot of people who aren't quite biting yet. But something slightly more traumatic might be necessary, something like an alien invasion, if they could convince people of that, then they might get more compliance. And even if they don't, then it gives them justification as an excuse to crack down on those who do not comply because they put everyone else in danger. You see, we saw that trope going on with this, too. But people just weren't buying. Some people just weren't buying. Those with half a brain left. So, at any rate... That's one of the aspects of this we need to navigate through cautiously in the upcoming times here that we're going through. Now the next big point that I I wanted to make, emphasized here within this congressional hearing, is that there's allegedly going to be follow-up in these SCIF meetings to disclose particulars and evidence to Congress that support these claims. And of course, as we had established earlier, SCIF, for those who are unaware, means Sensitive Compartmented Information Facility. And this is an official way of disclosing information within the intelligence community, especially classified information that could be potentially risky to national security interests. So that's that's why, allegedly, this guy won't say anything on the public record, but only in a private meeting with specially selected congressional people with the top-secret clearances necessary to do so. Which actually is another misnomer, really, when it comes down to this. Because as Dr. Stephen Greer pointed out in an interview he did shortly after this press conference yesterday, he pointed out something hugely important that makes me question the validity of this all the more. I don't know if that was his intention, but certainly it makes somebody like me, who pays attention to the minutia of the details like this, makes me question the validity of these things. So Dr. Greer said that according to the laws put in place that outline these various security clearances and this, the nature of the classification system of secret, top secret, all of this stuff, all of these different classifications within the intelligence community and within security. According to those laws, because this group that is doing these crash retrieval and reverse engineering campaigns is operating clandestinely outside of the oversight and control of the U.S. government and or military, they are therefore an illegitimate program, and therefore David Grush, by rights, can, without violating any of his oaths or security clearances or anything of the sort, he can disclose everything he knows to the public about these programs because they do not qualify under the law for the violation of these various aspects of the classified programs. They don't fall within the guidelines or the bounds of that legal structure. So, therefore, he's not violating any of his oaths. He's not violating any, anything he's signed on to. He's not abusing his security clearance in doing so. So Dr. Stephen Greer pointed this out. So that makes me question all the more. Don't you think a guy as sharp as this, David Grush, should know that? Should understand that? Not only that, it comes down to common sense. Let's look at it that way. Is this ethical? Is it responsible to disclose that perhaps there's some treasonous organization operating outside of the oversight of the U.S. government and military that is using weapons or weaponized types of technologies in ways, in clandestine ways, without approval, without oversight, without any consequence, without having to answer to anybody about it, would that not be the responsible thing to do, to disclose as much as you know about this? Would be, should be. Yet that's not being pursued. Of course, he's still going through the whole old hat trick of let's keep everything in these compartmentalized little meetings. I can't tell you anything more. Got to keep dangling the carrot before people. Make you think, oh, there's there's definitely something more to this. This is a trick as old as time itself, folks. This is something that's been done by the secret societies for millennia now. Got to keep that carrot dangled in front of you to keep you chasing down the path. Get you to go further down the rabbit hole and think that maybe, just maybe, you'll uncover one of the secrets that may or may not even exist. Is this more of the same? Dangle the carrot before the people, make them believe, oh, well, we do know certain things and specific details about this stuff, and we have mounds of information about it, but you can't know about it because you don't have need to know. But we will disclose this to some of the insiders in Congress and they, they can make a decision from there as to whether they should disclose this or not and you know we have to keep it secret because national security what a load of nonsense what a load of nonsense like I said this is one of the oldest tricks in the book and the old tricks are the best tricks Keep dangling the carrot. Make people believe maybe there's something more to be said about it. Or there's something more that is known about it. A secret. They know a secret that you don't. This gives them power over you. That's the very nature of secrecy. That's what secrecy is for. It's a weapon. A weapon that gives one person power over another. What good can come from secrecy? Well, secrecy... Just give somebody an advantage over somebody else. If you know something somebody else doesn't know and you don't share that information with them, that gives you an advantage over them in some way, shape, or form. This is a known commodity, especially to those known and proven liars within the intelligence community and within government. So what makes this any different? It's important to logically break this stuff down in this way. So there's this promise of having these special hearings now and maybe revealing some of the secrets to the insiders in Congress and maybe putting them in touch with people who are firsthand witnesses to these various programs and work actively in the programs right now. Do these people, first of all, do they really exist? And second of all, are they telling the truth? Third of all, do they belong to some clandestine organization that operates outside the auspices of the control and oversight of the U.S. government and or military? Is that a true thing? Or is this just another boogeyman under the bed? A big boogeyman that doesn't really exist. It's been talked about for a long time. Like I said, Donald Keough called it the secrecy group. Dwight D. Eisenhower warned us of the influence of the military industrial complex. He was referencing this very same thing, this same clandestine group. We know that within the auspices of the topmost levels of the secret society groups, there exists an inner circle that we would call the Illuminati. These kind of things are known commodities. So is it possible that there is some clandestine group running things? Oh, I most certainly think so. Are they one and the same as these dark occultists who run things that I refer to all the time? Perhaps. Or perhaps they work for these dark occultists who run things. Maybe it is one and the same group or organization or power structure behind it all. I don't know. I don't have all the answers. But we do have to try to logic this stuff out at points. Because it's easy to fall into the fantasy of it all, isn't it? And that's the whole point here. A lot of it has been so mythologized in the modern era, this study of UFOs, that it falls into the auspices of fantasy. And it's easy to get caught up in that fantasy, I want to believe, just like the X-Files slogan was. I want to believe. Problem is it's all second hand information that's given with no real credible proof handed out about all of it. It's hearsay. That's all it is right now. Hearsay. Even though it's hearsay from somebody who's highly accredited, highly reasonable, highly respected, somebody that they would say is a credible observer, credible witness, a stand up person, truly believes what he's telling you. I don't doubt that this David Grush fellow truly believes the things that he's been shown or told and the things he's telling people. I think he truly believes that to be the truth. But does it make it true just because he believes it to be true because he's been fed this information secondhand from somebody else who claims to know from teacher to student in the mystery schools, folks, all the way down the line. It's always been the way. How do you know if what your teacher told you is true? Is this the legit truth? Is this the real secret? David Grush believes what he's been told is real, and that is the true nature of things. I don't know. I don't have access to the information and or people that David Grush has. I don't have access to or the information to the information or people. Within the secret society groups? I don't know. But what I can do is read as much about this material that has come forward as I possibly can, compare and contrast notes, and come to my own conclusions about things based upon actual data that is available in the public domain. And I could make some conclusions there, and I could logic out these things. Reason these things out to a certain degree. And that's what we have to do. We have to separate our emotional response to this from the reasoning of it. And this is an important foundation to look at. Reason. Reason. According to the secret schools, reason is the weapon of spirit. Reason. So if it's not reasonable, if you can't reason it out, it's not logical, it defies your experience, defies what you have observed, your observation defies your experience, defies everything you've been able to establish as fact, then chances are, if it's only something that leverages off of fantasy and emotion you can't trust that to a great degree you have to begin to look at the context of it at the details within in order to come to factual information about it so we need to be able to determine the difference between what is fact What is an emotionally charged response? What is offered as opinion? What can be proven and what cannot be proven? And from this standpoint, like I said right now, there's a lot of weight behind testimony under oath given to Congress on the record. There is a type of weight given to that, but at the same time, That does not prove that it is true or accurate, does it? But this guy is willing to put his life and reputation on the line to attest to these things. So he absolutely believes the things he's telling us is true. But is it? We really have to ask that question. So what else? There's a couple more things that came out of this hearing that I think are important things to look at here. The fact that there's still more questions than answers is a troubling thing, but I think the disclosure given through the auspices of Congress here about the existence of the nature of this UFO phenomenon is very hopeful because it gives us reason to believe that perhaps this, this field of study will be taken more seriously now in the future that it will be given more credibility and credence, that there is something actually to it, gives an air of legitimacy to it. So that's a hopeful sign. But of course, the true test will be time. Only time will tell if anything more comes from this, or if it's just more clever theatrics put out there to lead us into this stable of belief And of course, the whole notion here, one of the big problems is this was not largely covered by the mainstream media. So those who are blissfully ignorant of the whole UFO topic will remain blissfully ignorant of the whole UFO topic. And those who have been following the UFO topic will be led down this path wherein they will be screaming for disclosure screaming for disclosure and that when they roll out this alien notion to the public that those who've been studying the phenomenon will come out and wholeheartedly be crying we've been telling you all along see there are aliens they're real they're here from another planet and maybe some people will buy into the notion then and then of course you'll have those who've also been following this whole UFO field for a long time, who will say, No, they've been telling us for years. Werner von Braun told Carol Rosen, warned us, warned her about the fake alien invasion for a long time, and not to believe it. So you'll have these two camps, like I said, the whole Hegelian dialectic, and when they roll out the PSYOP on the public... You'll have these two camps. One will be, see, I knew the aliens were real. We told you they're real. I always suspected I knew we weren't alone in the universe. And then you'll have the other camp that's saying, it's fake, it's fake, they're demonic, they're this, they're that. Making all these other claims. And there we are. Even though the nature of this event or this revelation of this alleged alien Or aliens might be something entirely different. Might be a manufactured cybernetic being or some such thing. Might be a genetically modified human being that they present to us and say, This is the aliens. This is what they look like. This is who they are. They come from such and such a place. And you'll have people that'll stand on both sides. One will be, oh, see, they're real. And then the other side will be, oh, it's fake, it's fake. And maybe it's not even an alien at all, and maybe it's not even a fake alien. Maybe it's something entirely different, but you're not allowed to have that opinion because you have to fall in the neat little box. That's how the control structure works. And they'll shift it off into these two different sides. They like to use the polarity principle, the Hegelian dialectic, if you want to call it that, as a control mechanism so they could steer the agenda and the public opinion any way they want. And therefore they win because they control both sides of the argument. And it may not even be the nature of the thing itself. We see so much of this, so many examples of this. This is how social control works, folks. But like I said, only time will tell if anything comes of this, perhaps nothing will come of this and they'll kick the can further down the road because maybe the public's just not ready just yet for that next step in the PSYOP and maybe it'll all shake out totally different than what we expect I've explored this avenue of thought too maybe when they're talking about aliens aliens, it's code for something else entirely. But at any rate here, despite all the claims that were made in this congressional hearing, if none of the evidence or documentation that backs these claims is disclosed to the public, it's all just taken on the basis of faith and its hearsay, and therefore this whole thing would prove disingenuous. In congress, in this hearing, they kept talking about transparency, for the release of the evidence, but every time they brought it up, Grush kept continually saying he would only talk about certain aspects of the claims and or disclose evidence inside the framework of an appropriately cleared SCIF meeting. Does that sound like transparency to you? And I'll ask the question again, do you trust your government? (laughs) Do you trust the known and proven liars that are the intelligence community. So here's the point. Regardless of what the true nature of the revelations given in this congressional hearing were, it's now on the public record. It's in the official congressional record that programs operated through and around U.S. government and or military with or without their knowledge and approval but with some aspect of government and military attached to them have retrieved non-human technologies and non-human biologics that's what was established here that's on the congressional record now now this information whether it proves to be true or not will have an effect on man's image of himself this is the hugely important aspect of this, is because there's going to be large-scale social ramifications for this congressional testimony. Has to do with transforming the image of man, which was discussed in a publication called Changing Images of Man, published by Stanford SRI Group. Had a lot of well-known scholars in on it, like Margaret Mead, Joseph Campbell, worked on this. Changing images of man. You see, they want to change what man's viewpoint of himself is, what his place in the universe is, who he thinks he is, what he thinks he is, where he thinks he came from. And the revelation of aliens from other planets would certainly change the entire framework upon which society is built, wouldn't it, when you really think about it? If they were present, to present that to people as absolute fact, then people's beliefs would often be shaken to the core. And they would have to maybe reevaluate what is it that I believe? How does this affect my faith? How does it affect my image of who I think I am? What I think I am? Where I exist? So this is the hugely important part. There's going to be social ramifications for this. So even though the press has barely touched upon this, They have big plans lined up for the future, and this is now on the congressional record. And that's a huge deal, because now they can look back to this and present this as data and evidence to the people, this testimony given by whistleblowers about these various things, and this will give it an air of credibility in the future when they finally decide to talk about it publicly. I don't think they know what to do, ladies and gentlemen. Simply because we're living in the time of revelation right now. We're living in a time of a spiritual awakening of sorts. Where people are beginning to see through the lies and the nonsense. The veil is being torn away. And people are really beginning to question all these things that come out. Hey, is this a PSYOP like everything else? You bet your bottom dollar it is. I think we can establish that fact. It's all PSYOP. Everything that comes out of the media, everything that comes out of government everything that comes out of the military-industrial complex, it's all PSYOP. All of it. It's all propaganda. It's all PSYOP. And people are awakening to that in massive numbers now, especially in the aftermath of this COVID debacle and this vaccine disaster that is unfolding before the eyes of people. And many people who had not considered it before are now beginning to see the ramifications of bad choices and many are learning their lesson and saying never again. And because of the rising of this awareness this becomes problematic to the power structure to those in control who are trying to lead us down this path towards this almost inevitable notion of the arrival of aliens or an alien invasion or a mock alien invasion, fake aliens, whatever you want to call it. I do suspect it's the next big psyop coming down the pike and they're going to try and steer people off into their own little echo chambers about it and divide us into two categories. The alien believers and the alien deniers. (laughs) Are you an (laughs) anti-aliener? You see, all these notions and tropes have been put out there in the past. I would urge you, go back and watch the 1983 miniseries titled V. And I think you may have a look at the programming script for the future. Because in that miniseries, What began to happen, if you probably haven't watched it in many years, if you've even seen it at all, what happens in the plot is the aliens come to Earth and they present themselves as friends. They want to help us. And then eventually what happens is scientists begin to find out things about the aliens. So they begin to become, the government begins to become suspicious of scientists and claim that there's some massive conspiracy of scientists who are seeking to sabotage the aliens, and the aliens are our friends. So, they ostracize these scientists and claim that they are working against the aliens and against the best interests of the masses and consider them terrorists. Kind of chilling, isn't it? And of course, these aliens are reptilians from the from the star Sirius which by the way is a title of one of Dr. Stephen Greer's documentaries that he did Sirius and Sirius is hugely important in the occult where does it end folks where does it end anyway this is all food for thought this congressional hearing was a big deal, and even though it's not being lauded by the mainstream media the way it should be, given the importance of such an event, ostensibly, it will have some social engineering ramifications in the future, I assure you. They don't ever let a good crisis go to waste. (laughs) And the whole notion that UFOs are a national security threat, well, that's kind of a crisis, isn't it, folks? They won't let it go to waste, I assure you. That's not how these people operate. So at the end of the day, ask yourself, do you trust your government and do you trust the intelligence agencies? Are they being straight with us? Is this legit? Is this guy a legit whistleblower? Part of me wants to believe him, but part of me knows better. Only you can answer those questions for yourself. My job is to make you think, to present what can be garnered as fact and what can be garnered as opinion and what can be garnered as potential PSYOPs what can be garnered as potentials so we have some potentials we have hopes here we have some hopes about this and we also we also have seen some of the programming scripts through the years So, like I said, go back, watch that 1983 miniseries at V. Definitely well worth a watch. May give you some insights into the future here. And, of course, like everything else, I reserve the right to be totally wrong about that. But it seems to me all the dominoes are lining up just how they're supposed to. The use of the same old tired tricks, because the old tricks are the best tricks... And away we go with it. So are you ready for the next big PSYOP? And will it look like we expect it to? Or is there another swerve coming? Gotta ask ourselves that question too. So keep that in mind as we continue down the road here. Into the future and see what we have coming upon the horizon. Aliens in the Congressional Record. It's out there now. It's on the public record in Congress. Never thought I'd hear myself say that, but there it is. But is it true? That's the big question that remains. I have my doubts. But you're free to make it and formulate your own opinions. I wouldn't want to tell you what to think. I'm just sharing my thoughts with you. Coming from an educated perspective on this, I've been studying the UFO phenomenon, well, for a large portion of my lifetime. And I've been studying the phenomenon in depth for about the past 17 years. So, that being the case, I can offer you my perspectives, my observations on the whole thing, and you can make of that what you will, formulate your own opinions, do your own research. I urge you go look at all the different aspects of this yourself. Don't take anything I say as gospel. I'm a human being like everyone else and I'm flawed like everyone else I have my own inherent biases but I think it's important to explore all the different aspects of this from every angle you can and that's what I attempted to do here tonight to provide some type of insight and get you thinking so keep this stuff in mind food for thought folks was an important event this congressional hearing on the UAP phenomena, the UFO phenomenon and the disclosures that came out in that hearing going to have some ramifications here in the near future that's the bottom line but that's all I got for tonight, I want to thank you all for tuning in, I appreciate each and every one of you and I'll catch you next time have a good night now
3: Come with me